Welcome to Popcorn and Soda, starring Talal, a motion picture podcast, movies, pop culture, interviews, and reviews. Popcorn and Soda is brought to you by ByTalal.com. Visit at ByTalal and at Popcorn and Soda Podcast on Instagram. Download and stream on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on all your podcast listening platforms. Please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all having a wonderful day today. My name is Talal, and you're listening to the Popcorn and Soda Podcast. The show where we discuss all things movies, pop culture, and so much more. I want to thank each and every one of you for making me a small part of your day. On today's show, we're joined by a very special guest. You've seen her in projects such as LA's Finest, The Nowhere Inn, and can now be seen in Netflix's Purple Hearts. On the show today, Caitlin Huey. How are you, Caitlin? Hi, Talal. I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no. Thank you so much for coming to hang out on the show today. Caitlin, how have you been over these last few years? We're living in this like ever-changing world, especially for someone in the creative arts. What did the last two years look like for you personally? Oh, deep sigh. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a wild ride, hasn't it? And oh, yeah. um, I'm very happy to say that at this moment, I am healthy and all of my loved ones are healthy and um, that has become sort of the most important thing. I think more than anything, this pandemic has really called me to reevaluate uh, my priorities and just get really clear on what's important and choose the path of ease, choose the path of peace mm-hmm. and, um, you know, keep fighting for things that we care about, keep fighting for folks that have less privilege than we do. And, um, it also really inspired me, dropped me into a deeper level of my work, I think, about really getting serious about what kind of projects I want to do and what really matters and what I really want to say as an artist. So I think it's also affected me on that layer as well. Yeah, that's, that's such a fascinating answer. And that's I've heard so many common threads among so many different people, not just creative artists, but I feel like of all the negatives that have come out of this pandemic over the last few years, I think you kind of have to find some positives that came out of it. And, and I think one of them is that people are starting to prioritize certain aspects of their life that maybe they weren't putting as much emphasis on before, or maybe going yeah. after that dream or really just doing a lot of self-discovery and discovering that sometimes we think we're plugged in with all those that are around us, but realistically we're not. We're all just so focused on you know the next gig, the next job, the next role. And, and I think it's great that a lot of people have found that inner peace with where their life is going. Yeah, it's definitely a time to reflect. And I think, you know, as a culture, you know, I don't want to be too grim or anything, but we've really just been faced with a lot of death and loss over the last two years. Mm. And I'm a Scorpio son, so I can talk about death at <laughs> any time <laughs> and all the taboo <laughs> subjects. Um, but but I think that you're right. It really drops us in t- on the other side, right? If everything is a spectrum, if we're opening up to more of the dark things and the, um, the, the loss and the grief, it also opens up the other side of things where joy hits harder and beauty hits harder mm. and music hits harder and art hits harder. And 
I think what you said is really poignant about folks really saying, hey, what am I doing with this one precious life of mine? And let's make it beautiful. I don't have said it better myself. So yeah, here's hoping that the next few years will return to, you know what, maybe not even return to what the normal was, but a new normal that we continue to just aspire our lives to be like. So yeah, Caitlin, let's transition right into you. And before we deep dive into Purple Hearts, I'm really interested in your story. You're like the textbook mm. definition of a creative artist. It's like you sing, you act, you write, like you do it all. Mm. So where does this all begin for you? Well, I think that I was definitely sort of a child that leaned this way. I, my parents tell stories of me sort of singing before I was talking and dancing before I was walking and at any parents like dinner party or things like that, I would get all the kids together and put on shows and we would be out for family hikes and I would like stand on the tree stump and start singing a song and um, was just always very theatrical that way. And so that naturally led my parents saw that in me, obviously, and they encouraged it. I, I'm really lucky to have parents who really believe in the arts and who really support the arts. And um, I'm also very lucky to have grown up in the San Francisco Bay Area where we have great public schools and we have great arts education in public schools. I am a product of public school through and through. And so... Um, you know, we, we have our spring recitals and I started playing trumpet when I was in elementary school up through middle school and in high school I did, uh, I sang in the choir and I had a really great drama teacher in my high school. And I started doing community theater when I was really young, about seven years old. I did my first musical was Aladdin and I played a vegetable seller <laughs> and I had one line. It was just sort of that classic uh, case. Right. Um, but my parents really wanted me to be well-rounded. They, they were very cautious about pushing me too far into the entertainment industry. So I played sports. I rode horses. I was a girl scout. I did all sorts of things that were outside of performing. And I think in some sense, maybe, you know, maybe I could have had my big break at 16 <laughs> if my parents had really pushed for it and, you know, helped me get an agent when I was a kid, but they really just wanted me to be a kid and they really wanted me to want it and they wanted it to progress naturally. And so when I was in high school, I had a really amazing drama teacher named Ron Heising who saw something in me and started sharing with me more about acting technique. Up until then, I had done a lot of musicals, but I hadn't really dove into the craft and technique of real hardcore acting. And he shared with me Stanislavski's method, and I read all those books and actor prepares, building a character, all the things. And um, he cast me in and sort of chose the school plays around me and like what I could do. We did a, a Lillian Hellman play when I was in high school and I played essentially the bad seed, like this little child that spreads lies and rumors. And, you know, he really pushed me to not only play characters that were um, like the ingenue, like I never really played the ingenue. I was always playing another level of something and he really pushed me to expand my my capacity and my capability. And he ended up taking us to a drama festival, uh, the Motherlode Drama Festival up in Northern California. 
and me and my scene partner ended up winning the competition. And that was kind of the first moment. I think I was a sophomore in high school where I realized like, oh, well, maybe I actually am good at this. Maybe it's more than just a hobby. And then I started to consider it a little bit more seriously. And then when it came time to apply for colleges, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of really smart kids because you're up in the Bay Area, right, Talal? Or no, no, you're in Canada. I'm in Toronto. But yeah, you're in it's, Canada. You know, a lot of people kind of say, yeah, that. you know, it's all good. No, a lot of people do say that it's like San yeah. Francisco is kind of like I've, I've heard that before where a lot of people mm. think that the culture in San Francisco, like the artsy, yeah. I don't want to say hipster, but like it's very creative yeah. arts oriented. And we've got a big segment of that in Toronto. So I definitely get where you're coming from on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there was this whole, um, yeah, in the San Francisco Bay Area, there was this whole it's very academic and very competitive. And all the kids around me were going to like Harvard and Yale. And I'm looking around like, what college can I get into, you know? And I kind of decided we met with a college career counselor and she's like, well, what are you good at? What can we put forward? You know? And I was like, well, I, I do a lot of school plays and I sing in the choir. And she's like, well, let's look at the best performing arts schools in the country. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so we sat down. I can down major in I something sl- like that. It's one of those things, right? It's like, what? Yeah. And I don't have to take math classes, like <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> um, so I ended up auditioning for all the top performing arts schools in the country. And I got into my top three and I ended up choosing to go to UCLA. And that landed me here in Los Angeles when I was 17 years old. And that was a a wild ride and a rude (laughs) awakening and lots of trials and tribulations. Oh, yeah. Um, And I've just been here ever since I graduated hitting the pavement and and trying to do the work. You know, it's so fascinating you bring that up. And what I find even more interesting is just as someone who kind of looks back at certain aspects of your life and you're kind of looking at those aha moments or those instances that kind of pretty much shape the rest of our lives and guide us in that way. And you kind of had that when you were doing your plays. Do you ever look back? Mm-hmm. And I guess hindsight's twenty twenty, And it sounds like you're uh, a little bit of a spiritual person from what I've gathered so far with the star signs <laughs> and all that. <laughs> you, <laughs> I could be wrong, but... Uh, do you believe? No, that? I think your yeah. I think your radar is right on track. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can get those vibes from you, and then you know it's great. We each their own. And do you feel that in hindsight that maybe you not getting an agent at like mm. age 15, 16, and then where you are now? Do you believe that you are where you're supposed to be now versus where you thought you may have wanted to be years prior to that? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean. It, it feels like it would just be a whole other rabbit hole. Like it would just be mm-hmm. a whole alternate universe. Like there actually is some alternate universe of Caitlin <laughs> who got signed at the age of 16, who then like started an HBO show and then got addicted to drugs and had to go to rehab <laughs> and, you know, or like whatever. Um, maybe that's happening in an alternate reality. I don't know. Um, but it feels, my path feels very organic. I will say that. And I, And I feel very, very lucky that I've had people close to me protecting me by nature. Creative people are and people who are inclined to make their life art and to be artists are very sensitive and we need to be protected by the people around Mm -hmm. us. 
and by the systems and by the studios and by the crew, like we really do in order to maintain this level of sensitivity and vulnerability and openness, we, we need to have people looking out for us. And I feel very lucky that my family is that for me and my few very close mentors, my friends are that for me. And, um, I've always kind of had this feeling of like this feeling of the, of what I'm going for, this feeling that I, of what I want my life to feel like and be like, and every fork in the road where I could turn this way, or I could turn that way. I like try to come back to my body and come back to the feeling of like, which one feels like this feeling. <laughs> and then I, right. I choose from there. And I feel like to keep centering in the heart like that and keep feeling into the heart that way and letting the heart lead rather than maybe ego or competition or trying to get ahead. I, I'm very happy uh, with where I am now because it really feels like I have uh, built it brick by brick, not just by myself, but, but with everybody around me. Yeah. And like, it goes back to one of those things, right? Where it's like, you just have to respect your own journey where yeah. again, you'd like you said, right? Like a lot of people that aren't maybe more creatively inclined or don't have such a passion for the creative arts as maybe someone like yourself or I do. I don't think they truly understand what mm -hmm. some of the things you said just meant, like how sensitive and guarded we really are about mm -hmm. our dreams and not wanting things to be taken away from us. And like, it's almost like this imposter syndrome you kind of go through sometimes. And I, mm -hmm. I just, I love the fact that you're just, you accept things for, you know, like you, you trust your God and in this mm -hmm. industry, you really have to. So Netflix, Purple Hearts, let's tackle yeah. that. Uh, hey, congrats, yeah. On the, yeah, congrats on the success of the film. It's like Thank number so one, much. no, for sure. And it's like number one in so many different countries on Netflix right now. I think it just like, I was reading an article like earlier today and it said it just beat the gray man, which is Ryan Gosling and like Chris Evans and like the Russo brothers. It's, that's a huge feat. And this is a big it's deal. It's absolutely incredible. I, I really actually cannot believe it. It's really a, a special moment that this indie, this, this little indie that could that has a much smaller budget than the gray man. Um, this love story right. is, is doing so well. And so many people are resonating with it. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And like, this is Netflix. This is like the biggest streaming platform. So that just really says something to the overall quality of the movie. And just even the fact that, like you said, it's like the little movie that could. So how yeah. excited are you for this to finally be out? I'm so excited. I feel so grateful that I even got to do this project. I It was actually almost like I wasn't going to be able to do it. Um, in fact, when I auditioned for the role, when I got the script, I was in the dark of the pandemic. It was very, very dark. <laughs> and I was I in what I would call like a creative hole. And I was very... Um, I felt a little broken. I'll just be honest as an actor. I was in this beautiful film, The Nowhere Inn, that I went to Sundance with in January of 2020. And then we were supposed to go to South by and Tribeca. Mm -hmm. And all of that got shut down because of the pandemic. And that was sort of like my first role where I was like singing and acting in a film and like had a name and had a couple lines and I right. got to be funny and I got to sing. And it was with these artists, Carrie Brownstein and St. Vincent that I loved and admired so much. And then when all of that got shut down, it just felt like 
Hollywood like betrayed me or something. Like I just felt so discouraged and so heartbroken and like all the work I'd been doing for the last decade, just like evaporated. And so, like I said, you know, when you asked me earlier about how the pandemic has really like shifted me and changed me, it really caused me to look at my values and my priorities. And so, um, you know, and I had set it as sort of a, an intention in 2020 with the wake of everything that was going on with the, in our country and politically, I just was like, wow, I really want to work on projects that have heart. I want to work on projects that have a message. I want to work on projects that are diverse and actually represent the world and uh, tell the truth and um, and inspire people and enlighten people. I just really want to work on projects like that. And so I had set this intention, but then I just felt so lost and our industry really got shut down and I hadn't really been getting many auditions. And I work with a theater company, so I had been working with some playwrights, developing a play, a few plays that I'm sort of attached to over Zoom. But other than that, I wasn't really acting a lot. And I, I just felt like I didn't want to be in acting class on Zoom. I just, I just really kind of shut down that arm. And I was really focusing on music. And I got this audition for Purple Hearts. And I was kind of surprised because I hadn't been getting any auditions. And I was... Yeah, I was just like locked up in no. my little bunker here in my you. house in my studio making music. I hear you. And I was surprised that it was more than one line. I have a, a, a hefty little scene with Sophia Carson, who plays the lead character, Cassie. And I loved it. And I jumped right in and I, you know, I sent in my tape, but I really didn't think much of it. it it's kind of like a a, a tense little scene. Um and it's in, it's definitely integral to the story, but it's not like you know this like breakout whatever I don't know. No, it just was. I was like, oh yeah, this is a this is a scene that really furthers the plot. And like, yeah, I I see this, I get this, I'm in this. Like, let's go, you know. And uh, it's a pretty transactional scene. And mm -hmm. um. And uh, then I ended up getting a callback, and I had a callback with the director, and that's when the magnitude of the project like really hit me, where she. I got on a Zoom with her and the producers, and she started telling me about the insulin crisis in our country and the lack of access to affordable health care. And then I started realizing what this story was like actually talking about. And she just helped me build this whole world in my callback. She was, it was weird. I was here in my studio, and yet I felt like I was in that pharmacy. I felt like I was in that space. I, and she just, we just built this world together. And my heart was just like exploding. I hadn't been directed in like a year and a half. And Liz is an incredible director. And I just left that callback being like, oh my gosh, I am an actor. I forgot I'm an actor and I love acting. And everything she had said to me in the audition, she was very complimentary of my work. And she really like spelled out for me, you know, how important that scene was. And, um, in telling the story and I don't, I don't want to give away too many spoilers for folks who haven't watched mm -hmm. the the movie yet but um then I got a call a few days later that I had booked it which I really was not actually expecting I, I've done so many auditions and I feel like I just throw them into a black hole in the universe right. especially like, with self-tapes totally totally yeah you just do it for the sake of it sometimes and you're like all right whatever I'll do it and if anything comes of it something comes of it but like you're never really 
in the back of your mind, maybe I guess there's always that little inkling, but realistically, yeah. you're always just whatever, I'll just do it and that's it. And you kind of just move on to the next, right? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I'll do like a ceremonial, like throwing away of the sides. I'll just like throw them away <laughs> of like, this is yeah. over, this is gone, this has left my body. Like I've done everything I can. And now I like cut the cord and I like move on and I don't think about it anymore. Cause if you think about everything that comes through, it'll just oh, suck yeah. all your life force, you know? Yeah, it totally does, right? There's so much in this industry that yeah. you can't control, right? Yeah. You can control what you can, you can control your performance or how you interpret certain lines or certain characters. But if you start, wanting to micromanage every little thing in this industry, especially in film and television, you're going to go crazy because there are things that like someone, sometimes it's just being at the right place at the right time versus thinking that you're the right person for literally every role that you read for, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't until I talked to some other actors and I realized (laughs) that like, a 3% booking ratio is like great. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, we could do like stats on this thing and see if we're in the pocket and like see what's normal, you know? Oh, yeah, right. That's like the, the um, age old like story of like going on like a hundred auditions and maybe yeah. booking five callbacks or six callbacks. And from there you get maybe one, if any, right? It's it's like the numbers game yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like that was something that I really had to drop into a lot more once the once the acting work just completely disappeared. When our industry got shut down in the pandemic, it became very clear to me, I need to actually learn how to make myself happy outside of this industry. Because if my happiness is dependent on booking a role, which is out of my control, as you've just said, what what does that mean? Like <laughs> I'm at the whim of, of a producer saying I'm, right. I'm good enough or I'm right for it. And so I really went on a big process over the pandemic of like, what makes me happy and what am I excited about? And um, how can I keep myself alive and inspired and really well nourished and uh, fed so that every time something does come across my desk, I can prep it like I'm being paid $10 million and walk away feeling great. Um, But I remember after that callback, I thought to myself, this gives me just this callback. This gives me enough juice for another year to do another year throwing my hat in the ring as an actor you know sometimes you just need that one extra push right and it yeah. just sounds like this was the one for you and like at a first glance if you watch like the youtube trailer for purple hearts or you see the poster like, right away you kind of start thinking oh it's just another nicholas sparks knockoff or something like that right mm. but but i like about the movie is that it's so much more in depth than that and just mm. how you mentioned above the larger crisis on hand um, within the movie. So for someone who hasn't watched the movie yet, and for someone who hasn't maybe seen the trailer yet, describe the movie in just a nutshell for, in your own words, that would make someone be like, you know what, I'm going to check this out tonight. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, the first thing you need to know is that it is a love story. And I think we all need more love stories. Um, And so it's between Cassie and Luke. She is an, a daughter of an, of an immigrant from Mexico, and she is an up-and-coming singer-songwriter in Oceanside, and he is a, a troubled Marine, and she is a type 1 diabetic and uh, cannot afford her insulin, her medication, and so they decide 
mutually, even though um, that these are two people from very different worlds. One is red and one is blue. Mm-hmm. And um, they're taught to hate each other, essentially. And they do hate each other at first, but then they realize that they can each uh, help each other in some way. And m- Marines and military personnel get a really great health insurance. And so they uh, feign a marriage so that she can get health insurance for her insulin. And it's actually after they are married that their hearts sort of unravel towards each other. But there are lots of ups and downs and twists and turns. Uh, but the whole film is is full of music and, um, yeah, just really powerful performances. And so go see it. Sophia Carson's absolutely incredible. She was wonderful to work with. And um, it's worth, it's, it's something you can watch with your whole family too. I've heard, I think I've seen online 14 and up is the, <laughs> is the recommendation. Well, you know what? I think it's a great summer movie and some, it's yeah. got a bit of everything. It's got a four or five different genres built into one. And, and FII for anyone who may have been in a Nicholas Sparks movie or likes Nicholas Sparks books. I, I they're great. I wasn't taking a shot at them. Just throwing. No, we love there. Nicholas, Sparks. <laughs> Nicholas Sparks. Yeah, but it's ooh, very like fault in our stars. It's a young it romance. Is. It is. I definitely feel that. And you know what? There's so much of. I don't know why, but a star is born almost kind of like got into my mind yeah. as well. But I was watching that. There's Absolutely. so many. Yeah, there's just so many different variations and different genres, like I mentioned earlier, that pop into this. So, what's next for you, Caitlin? I, I think it's so great, and I'm happy for you that this really rejuvenated your love of the arts because as as you mentioned the pandemic wasn't very kind to especially the creative art industry where everything was shut down for nearly two years so now that you're kind of back more into finding yourself what kind of projects excite you is it more acting is it maybe singing Mm. yeah well I am really excited for what's next I feel like this has given me such a beautiful um boost, I I have to say. Um, And I'm so grateful to our director, Liz, for just seeing me and fighting for me and, and, and helping me to, to be in this movie. She, she moved mountains on her end to make it possible for me to be in it. And so that really means a lot and definitely, um, you know, got me excited about what's next. I'm in a couple TV shows coming up. I'm in an episode of this really cool show called Little America that's going to be coming out in January of next year. And I'm also in an episode of SEAL Team on Paramount that Mm -hmm. is coming out this fall. And so that's coming up. And then I'm always writing music and and making music. So that'll just keep coming. Um, If you all want to listen to the apocalyptic pop bangers that I was creating during the pandemic. It's under my artist name, Huesa, H-U-E-S-A, which means grave in Spanish. (laughs) So um, go check that out. Um, And I have some new music coming out this fall. And then acting wise, I really have a fire lit up under my belly. I'm really excited to keep pushing myself. I'm definitely a little grittier uh, in this film and playing a little a harder side of myself, but I'm attached to a multi-cam sort of Christopher Guest style or a single cam uh, Christopher Guest style mockumentary um, indie movie that we are working on and hopefully we'll be able to go in production this fall. I'm also developing a project with one of my best friends that includes music 
um, which we're still in the process of developing it. So I can't say much about it, but um, lots of fun projects with friends on the horizon. And of course, I'll just keep hitting the pavement auditioning and seeing what else can happen. Throughout this entire conversation, I believe we've had a lot of different vibes and a lot of different spirituality out there. So let's talk things in existence. What's the dream? Yeah. Role? What's the dream role for you? Oh my let's God. Hear. Oh my God. Throw it out there. Wow. Let's throw it out into the world so... and you just got to do that. <laughs> okay. You know what I would really love to do because I studied at Groundlings after my time at UCLA and I love doing character work and I love transforming um, into different uh, bodies. Like I love, I call it shape shifting, just really getting lost in a character, transforming into so that I'm almost like unrecognizable. So I would love to do the female version of Walk Hard, that um, John C. Riley film where he takes this character who plays music like through the decades and it's a comedy right. and he's doing all different styles of music. Was that I the Dewey Cox movie? This. Was it called? Yes, Dewey? Yeah, yes. I think so, right? The yeah, Dewey yeah, Cox never... story. I think yeah, it's called yeah. Walk Hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would love to do a female version of that and just play in every time period, play in all the different music, something that's super funny and weird and something that I would just mm -hmm. laugh so hard making. That would be the dream. Hey, throw it out into the universe. Whoever's listening. Speak it. Uh, speak it right now. Speak it into existence. Let's do it. Speak it into existence. Uh, the Dewey Cox story in 2022 starring Caitlin Huey. Let's find a version of that <laughs> which we can get up and going. So, hey, <laughs> speaking of movies, do you watch a lot of movies yourself or is it sometimes when you're in the industry yourself, it's kind of hard to watch as much as you can because then sometimes it's almost depressing. Cause, oh, I read for that role or oh, I oh, wish I could have had totally. that role. So what's yeah, your, that's what's, part of it. Yeah, like what's a movie or two that you've seen recently that you absolutely just love? Oh, huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, I I don't watch as much as other actors, um, but I know I've seen something recently that I probably loved. I've been watching a little bit more TV lately. Um, we started watching Yellow Jackets, which is like really intense, and I loved um what else have i seen lately that is really good that i liked oh um i'm watching out abbott elementary right now which is so right. funny and so cute so yeah i really am watching a lot more tv right now yeah i just watched um chef which was so good um john yeah, Faber, right sad to yes mm -hmm, that's a great movie and um yeah so i think i've just mostly been watching tv gosh that's embarrassing but no well true. you know what it's like a golden age of like, television it, <laughs> attention really spans is, right? in the uh, pandemic <laughs> <laughs> like again there's been there's so much good television now where yeah. you have like so many big stars that are in all the apple tv mm. tv shows a lot of the netflix ones oh. hbo you know what I did watch that I loved and who I love is um, I watched Come On, Come On by Mike Mills that came out last year. Mm -hmm. um, that was one of the most recent movies that I watched with Joaquin Phoenix, and it was absolutely stunning. It's in black and white. I worked with Mike Mills a few years ago. I was cast in one of his movies, but then the scheduling didn't work out. Um, but I, I love him and I would love to work with him again. He's absolutely incredible. Um, so I loved that. Own that out in the universe. Put it out in the universe. Mike Mills, I miss you. <laughs> I hope he's well. I hope he, him and his whole family are doing good. 
Oh, that's great. And hey, like, as you wrap up with Caitlin Huey, it is now time for a segment oh, no. I call the okay. final act. Caitlin, I'm going to ask 10 rapid-fire questions about your likes and your dislikes. And I just want the first thing that pops into your mind. But here's the catch. Yes, sir. I'm going to give you one minute to try to get through them all. You up for it? Okay. I'm ready. Let's go. The final act. 60 seconds. Can you beat the clock? Movies or TV shows? Clearly TV shows. <laughs> Theater or watch at home? Theater or watch at home? Watch at home. Favorite movie? Legally Blonde. One sequel better than the original? Mad Max. Fury Road. Favorite singer? Ooh. Brandy Carlisle. Favorite song? Ooh, that's not fair. I don't do favorites. <laughs> it's impossible. Caitlin, this is my um, show. Oh, God. Hello. Why do you do this to me? Favorite song? I don't know. I mean, I guess if we're going for any good joke, it will just slay me every day. All right. Summer or fall? Fall. I'm a Scorpio. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely not. Describe your life in the creative arts in one word. Oh. (laughs) Is that a word? (laughs) You know what? I'll take that. That's a good one. Okay. How about a guttural sound? (laughs) Lastly, describe purple hearts in one word. Mm. Oh. Is that the answer? Or <laughs> No, I'll give you an actual word for this one. I want to say heartwarming. Bam. You nailed it. Since you're the first time on the Did show Did we do today. it in 60 seconds? You know what? Uh, we were close. We maybe, uh, you know, I'll shave off the 10, 15 extra seconds you went over. But hey, I appreciate the honest answers and I appreciate you being on this show so thank mm. you so much and congrats on all the success purple hearts i really think the sky's the limit for you and just chatting with you over these last 30 minutes i i feel like i can relate to you in so many ways and whoever's listening where can we find you online let's drop those social media hashtags oh my gosh yes come and say hi to me on instagram that's really the only place i hang out my handle is caitlin underscore huey that's k-a-i-t-l-i-n underscore Huey, H-U-W-E. I also run a creative studio that's called The Wonderwell, V.Wonderwell. On Instagram, you can come say hi to us if you're looking for some creative inspo. And other than that, I'm on YouTube. You can find some of my music on there. You can find me on Spotify. Um, you can find my music project, Wesa at XXWesa, H-U-E-S-A on Instagram. And as Wesa on Spotify, H-U-E-S-A. Bam, there you go. You guys know where to find Caitlin. Please do go follow and check out her content because it's great. Caitlin, I wish you all the best with your singing, your acting. And once again, I look forward to having you back on the show to discuss your next project. Thank you so much, Talal. It's great chatting. Thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe for new episodes streaming weekly. Follow the show at Popcorn and Soda Podcast on Instagram to keep up with movie news and behind-the-scenes exclusives. We'll see you next time at the movie. Ahem, on the show.